0: Proceed. This is Brother Julius Adeomi. We are going through the teachings. This time we are going to the book of 2 Corinthians, the second epistle of Paul to the Corinthians. And we will see that in this letter of Apostle Paul to the 2 Corinthians, he alluded to what he has written to them before. And then he was going to tell them some additional things. So as we read this, open with me to that book of Second Corinthians, and it's a teaching. So we read it along, and I will pause at some Bible verses and explain or refer to other passages in the scriptures to amplify or to explain further the theme of the of the letter of Apostle Paul. Every letter of Apostle Paul is to the body of Christ, to the believers, not just to the church. He might have been addressed this of the Corinthians. But if something is happening in your generation, you can apply. It. If not, you can see some application of the letters of Apostle Paul to we believers. Let's start. Second epistle of Paul, the apostle to the Corinthians, chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. Now we know it, Timothy that wrote this letter for Apostle Paul unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. So he was not just writing to the church in Corinth. Corinth is just a town, there may be other towns in that same community called Achaia, that environment, that area called Achaia. So he explained them to also read this letter because it's said, an identification for every believer. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. That's how he addressed this, opening this letter this time, he's saying our God is the Father of mercies, not just one mercy, all forms of mercies, mercy in your finance, mercy in your health, mercy in your ventures, mercy even in any offenses you have made, God is a God of mercies, and a God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So Apostle Paul was actually talking about his own experience of being persecuted without the tribulation he was mentioning. And he said God has comforted them. God will give you some joy in your heart. Some God will give you some hope, remind you of some promises so that you can bear whatever you are suffering. When you know where you are going, you will be excited. And that is the comfort. Verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ are abounding also, our consolation also abounded by Christ. So as we suffer for Christ, Christ also is consoling us, showing us things to come that will keep us going forward. Verse 6. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which are also which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Why is he saying they are suffering for the believers? Because they went about preaching the gospel to make somebody, to get somebody saved, to save some souls. It's for the people that we went about preaching the gospel for, even if somebody standing in our way and beat us up, we are suffering for the sake of those people because we love to share the word of God, tell them the truth. So that the, the Bible said, the logical said, Thou shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So when we bring the word of truth to people in any area and uh, when they receive that truth, they are elevated from one low level to a higher level before God. If we suffer for that, we are suffering for that truth and for the people that we have brought the word of God to. So, there's the a reward for those that are suffering for Christ when they went about pers- pers- you know, preaching the gospel. Then, when God comforted us, said, Our comfort is also to be shared with you guys because you guys will see the persecution you feel threatened. But when you are consolated by God, we have to share that with you and see, hey, this is what God showed us that makes us to be confident to keep going forward. You also take it to that, take knowledge of that consolation. You also know that you have an enduring. Enduring substance with God, when we shall all make it and arrive at His feet. Verse 7, And our hoping of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we will not, brethren, after you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength, insomuch that we despair even of our life, now, all the things that it was reported that they, was, they suffered in Asia, we only knew briefly part of it as it was recorded in the book of Acts or the Apostles. If Ephesus is in Asia. But when you actually look, you will see that in the book of Acts of the Apostles, the Bible says, the Holy Ghost already forbade Paul. Forbid is a strong word to use in that translation that says it, it forbade Paul to preach in Asia. Why will he forbid Paul to perish in Asia? Because he only goes new and see what we cannot see. So he has already seen serious persecution coming for Paul in Asia. He has seen it side of time and said, well, could they have done something about it? God is leaving this to us to do. He's only backing us up from when we ask in prayer. God will do as much as we ask him to do. He didn't just go there to destroy human beings. In the days, remember in the days of Egypt, the Israelites came out of Egypt, alright, and they were going to the promised land. My God allow them to go fight the people in the promised land and destroy them. But God will be backing you up with some supernatural power as you pray, as you believe. He created all these people that you are you they were that have been destroyed also. God created them. So God didn't do it the way we were expected. You know, if we were to be like God, we would have said, Lord, if you should have given us this land, just slay all of them so that we get there, we just bury them. But they are human beings that like God created in His own image also. So God is giving us their land. Does not mean He was going to just slay there, you go there and bury the dead. That was how God operates. God so God let it be like as if it's men against men. But you that stand with Him is going to back you up in the background, giving you help. By the by your prayer also, by your faith in him, he's giving you more help. Than those who don't know him don't pray. So that when he said take over their land, like the Israelites came to Canaan and were destroying the Canaanites. They say the people that were in the wilderness when they saw the giant they were scared because they thought it is their strength that was going to do it. But God was God has promised well, He has given them the land. They only have to trust God and follow him. And God was not going to just slaughter slaughter all those giants. By supernatural we know, we wanted them to go and face them, but God is going to back them up from the background and make them win the battle and won. And that was, what, that was how God lived it. So that it will not be like a partiality where it looked like God just slaughter all the people and the Israelites just went there to bury the dead. In fact, they will not appreciate God as much as if they fought and God was backing them up in the background. So that is really what God would plan to do. And that is why in the same way, God, Holy Ghost forbid Paul from preaching in Asia because he knew that the people in Asia will raise serious persecution against Apostle Paul because the Satan has already gotten you know, rid of some of those people over there and it's like a, a stronger warfare for Apostle Paul. And I all that when you look at it in the end, the Bible said in the book of Acts for of the Apostles, the, the, the people that arrested Paul in Jerusalem, he said they were the Jews from Asia. The Jews from Asia. That means they were hateful of what Paul was preaching. Remember the the goddess of Diana. That the Jews were making shrines for those you know, images, all those uh, things they were making. The silver smith, the goldsmith. Some Jews were also participating in those trades, and they were making money. And when Paul was, well, Apostle Paul came preaching against false idols, they started losing money, and they knew about this thing about Messiah, but they didn't believe it. Paul preaching about it. They went and stood against Apostle Paul, much more than what the Gentile idol worshippers and silver smiths were against him. But they stood against Apostle Paul and went all the way to Rome to pass. To, that's what Apostle Paul's said, Alexander the copper smith did be more shivu. Alexander was a Jew. It was a coppersmith in Ephesus. It was part of the people that roused up and said, "We should, we should stand against Paul." And he told them, "Let's take it legally. Let's not fight. Let's not fight." But he didn't believe what Paul was teaching, even though he was a Jew. So that was what was going on. Okay, let's go on. We are now in First in, in, in Second Corinthians chapter. One, we are reading about what Paul was saying about persecution in Asia that went against him. And I said, well, we didn't see much about that reporter except the one that was reported in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, when the silver smiths and goldsmiths and all the smiths that are doing, making shrines, rose up and said, great is the Diana of each, of the Ephesians, which means they were taking God against God. But see, it, was, it became turned into natural something. And Alexander, the compassman, knew that that would be against the Jews who were not of faith, but they were also silver means and uh, making money. So he stood up against Apostle Paul. So that was where Holy Ghost had already seen that coming He told the Apostle Paul, don't go there. Let somebody else do it, that we are passed in a different style. That may come later. But the Apostle Paul finally went there through another direction and in the end, he got into that serious persecution. And here it's... Uh, what he was saying that had, he said that as much we are pressured, pressed out of measure in Asia. Verse 9. They said that we had our, the sentence of death and our said that we should not trust in ourselves but in God, which they said he did. So he was just committing his life into the hand of God, even though they have too much pressure, persecution from Asia, from those goldsmiths and silversmiths that wanted to pressurize they call it to pressure against the preaching of the true God because he got the, the people of Asia under their belt, worshipping idols and they are making money from the shrines they make for them. God's the Apostle Paul said, God deliver us from so great a death and God deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. He said, I know you also are praying for us and we know that God will give us victory and we shall many will be giving thanks to God on our behalf. As well. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God we have had our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, world. For we write none other things to you than what ye read or, or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. And it's just mentioning that he is he, writing the same letter to them, more like to encourage them. And verse forty says, also ye have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, we, we, as long as you are standing in Christ, we will be rejoicing over you, you guys rejoicing over that we are also standing in Christ's form. Verse 15, and in this, te- in this confidence we are was minded to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit. Second, Benefit me, he was come back there and teach them some more things. As the be second benefit because he was one of the of that church. That's the first benefit they have when they are saved. He went to come back and teach them some more things. That will be second benefit. Verse 16, and that to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you again, and of you so we brought on my way toward Judea. Like that was what his intention was. He went to come to them. Then from there he went. he go to Macedonia, and then from Macedonia came back to them before he go toward Jerusalem. But verse 77, when I therefore was taught my way, did I use lightness? Or the things that I purpose, do I purpose are contrary flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, and ye, nay, ye, ye. nay? Did I change my mind? No, it's not that I changed my mind. said, but as God is true, our word told you was not yea and nay, ye, for the Son of God Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yea and nay. Ye, but in name was yea. That is, what he was saying was that yea, he didn't know that he was doubt, double-mindedness he, he was going to tell him the reason why he was not able to come it's because he said that when we preach Jesus this it ye. So it's always positive for all the promises of God in him are ye and in him amen unto the glory of God by us now ye which establish us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God who has also sealed us and giving the harness of the spirit in our hearts. You God has given us the harness of the spirit is the dampement of the holy ghost that we have in us. He says the Lord God has done us for us. We, we are rejoicing in Him. Now verse 13 is going to tell them why it was all able to come. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you, I can I came not as yet unto Corinth. To spare you. What do you mean by to spare him? The letter I first sent to them, first Corinthians, you notice. He mentioned so many things they had was going wrong among them that made him to be furious. He said, deliver somebody that was committing fornication among you, deliver him unto Satan, and my spirit will be there when you do this. You guys are letting this continue. This is going to be like a leaven that is poised, that is going to leaven the olam. So he was really angry or uh, uh, really furious about what was going on there. I so many errors are going and look like the, there's division among them. He said, if he went there, it would be like bringing some punishment that almost making him to almost be putting punishment upon people by, in the spirit. We don't want to deliver people on citizen. So he said, that's why I just back up. Don't go there yet. Let's just keep praying. It's a time to pray and just leave it alone. And prayer will undo it rather than to go there and begin to yell and scream and fight and curse. Because God said we should not curse, we should bless. So said, How can you bless something that somebody is doing that you know is Sin and evil, you almost feel like causing the person. I remember a minister that almost said, This man is making my ministry to be ridiculed. And the minister that was saying that was almost angry. And anyone that is angry will almost feel like causing the man that he said was making his ministry to be ridiculed. What does that mean by making his ministry to be ridiculed? Because people associate this fellow to be part of his ministry, but they are now pointing that this fellow has been sleeping around with adultery, fornication. So and they are linking him to the minister of this minister and that made the minister to be mad this fellow is making my minister be ridiculed. So that is going to make a minister almost want to curse. And you are not to curse and to keep praying. So that was why Apostle Paul said, to spare you I didn't come to, to account it for now. Verse 24 says, Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but we are helpers of your joy. For by faith he stands. See, not that I am authority over your faith, but you see, we are only helpers of your, of your joy. Now that's the end of chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 2. Say, is the continuation of the same chapter. This is what he was talking about. The books were divided into chapters and verses for our reference. See, but I determine this with myself that I will not come again to you in heaviness. So that's what I just explained. But if he went there in heaviness, he was going to be hearing more stories of woes and doom that you call these people holy people, and you say they are all righteous, and this one did this, or that fellow did this, whatever. And Apostle Paul is going to begin to want to stamp down upon those that say, get out of our midst, kind of a thing, because we are called to be holy. But he said, I don't want to come without heaviness. Verse 2 For if I make you sorry, who is he then that maketh me glad? But the same wish is made sorry by me. Because the letter I wrote to them was going to make them, make them sorry. So that's what he was talking about. But the first question that he said to them, he said, would have made them sorry. When they saw them all, he was saying, I cast this man out of your midst. And you, are, you guys are divided in this direction. And so on and so forth. Verse 3. And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I heart to rejoice. Having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. So that's why I wrote this thing so that you can when I see you, it will be joy, not sadness and 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 uh, judgment. For, for out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you, with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Say, because you love them and you want them to arrive at the at Jesus feet, why are we struggling and being a believer and being persecuted? and if you don't arrive at Christ, we just we are just no better than those who don't believe anything that are going to hell. We want to arrive at the Lord Jesus Christ's feet and receive well done, that good and faithful servant. So that's why it is when is that's why he said he, he, he loved them so much. He wanted to make sure that they they are going in the right direction. Verse five. But if any have caused grief, he has not grieved me, but an impart that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many. What punishment was he talking about? He was referring to the man he said they should deliver unto Satan, the man that was reported to be fornicators, that was still coming among them, that say he was a believer, but he was sleeping with his father's other wife, not his mom, but his father's younger wife, because people in their, when they are old, they try to marry younger, a younger lady. And this man, that's an adult son, they were reported that he was sleeping with his father's wife, that said that's fornication and even unbelievers respect their father they would do that and this man is in your midst claiming to be a Christian is he born again is among us cast him out they say deliver him to Satan to be punished and that was the type of thing he said they should even gather together and mention a man's name deliver him to Satan and that will be terrible when they mention somebody's name in the midst of the community and he was also there and asked Satan to get all of the man that's like a, a grief a man that is openly Presented to the devil like that, he didn't know where the devil was going to come from. From his back, from his side, from his business, I mean, so that's fear alone. To, that's why he said, sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many. Verse 7, so that contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him. Now he's asking them to bring the man back in to, for, to forgive the man if he has repented and comfort him. Lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So you can see after Paul has yelled at them in the, chapter, in the first letter of Corinthians, which you see in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, when he said it was reported commonly that there is a, fornication among, a fornicator among you guys. And he said they should deliver me. Now he's coming back after this second letter saying, so that the man is not swallowed up with overmuch sorrow, they should forgive him, comfort him, which means they should bring him back to the amiss. He has not even left the amiss; it was just in a sorrow right now, because he must, he must have stop what he has been doing. Maybe nobody confronted him before. Now that he stopped it, the Zeta is still, still locking behind to nag him down. So that's why they have now to comfort him. Not so If he has repented, especially. Verse 8. Wherefore I beseech you that you will confirm your love toward him. So you see now God is love. After he has conscious of somebody repent, God will forgive and you are now back into fellowship with God. Verse 9. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. So you see, he's writing this letter now to the Corinthians. Maybe some of them have come back and reported the situation to Apostle Paul. That this man is almost in tears. And afraid, sorrowful. And Apostle Paul is now saying, bring the man back, forgive him. If he has turned away from that lifestyle, not going to sleep with his father's wife anymore, and let him be comforted. So to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes forgive I it in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan can take advantage of when believers are having evil things among them and they didn't forgive somebody. Satan can take advantage of that begin to use it against the believers. Because God expects to work in forgiveness and in love. But so, furthermore, when I came to Troas, he's going to talk of something else. When I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and the door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit because I found no Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. He was reporting something else at that point. He said, well, he went to Troas to preach, and he saw that there's an open door, and he expected Titus to be there. Maybe he told Titus to meet me over there and the, he was he didn't show up. And he was say I he had no rest because he couldn't see why Titus couldn't make it. In those days people have been arrested, persecuted. So you know what happened to Titus. So that was he, said, he had no rest until, because Titus did not show up. So he said he went from there into Macedonia. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and make it manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. Verse 15, For we are unto God the sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved, and in them that pari- perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. I know it is sufficient for these things. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. So he said, we, to some people when we preach the gospel, they look down, and so say, these people are Evil or these people are disease. Others. I remember when we were preaching around in, in some towns in Nigeria, some people were talking behind. I could hear what they are saying. They say, "Oh, wherever this, wherever anybody accept these people's religion, it is sorrow in that family. Anyone that join their religion, they sorrow." What they mean is that when the man become a believer, he started opposing the ritualistic worship that was going on before in that family. And then that will be like confrontation also. That was what the, man, the fellow was saying, that it was sorrow wherever these people find somebody that joined their religion. Like, sorry, like, is that what Christ said? He said, that they have come to bring a sword. In the household there will be two divided against it: The father against the son, the mother against the daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, because one received Christ, he brought light. And the one that refuses to refuse is still trying to hold onto darkness that the Satan has been doing all along. Darkness and light have to fight it out. And darkness has to run out. If they don't want to run out, they will be fighting for it, fighting for their life. And that is what is going on. Why you see people persecuting the true believers. Especially in the Muslim world that we see, when one of them believe in Christ and come to Christ, they really parents that refuse. They wanted to kill the boy or the girl for receiving Jesus Christ. It's happened in many parts of the uh, Middle East now. And and we know that it is because light appears, darkness have to either tremble or run off. If, that, if they don't want darkness to get out of their life, they will be resisting it. And that is the persecution that is going on. And the Apostle said, that, that is really what was going on. He said, Some to us, to some, we are like saver of death unto death. But to the believers to Christ, we are saver of life unto life. And so we said, uh, who, who is. But we are not, uh, he said, I uh, know uh, sufficient for these things, God that makes things to be so. So we are not corrupting the word of God. We speak with sincerity, we speak in Christ. But well, chapter 3, which we are going to chapter 3 in a few minutes, because chapter 2 is just telling us about what Apostle Paul is Now, chapter 3. So, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Now, this section that Apostle Paul is going to be going to, and he was going to be shiding the Corinthians about his ministry to them. Or do we have do we need letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the earth. And such trust have we through Christ to God not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So Apostle Paul is more or less talking about the fact that he was the one that ministered the gospel to these collegians, And he the purpose for saying that. Let's read on. Our sufficiency is of God who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For well, the letter killer, but the spirit gave it life. the God is the one that has made us to be able ministers of the gospel. We're not just reading the words of English words, remember. We're trying to uh, reveal the ministry, the mystery that is behind the things that are written down. Because here he said, The letter killer. What letter killer? Here he said, The letter killed but the, the spirit gave it life. Just reading the word alone is not what's going to save us, but the spirit behind the word is what gave it life. So that's what he meant eh? in verse 6, said that, But who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, not of this in English that we are reading to you, but of the Spirit, the Spirit behind the word as it's written. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life, the Spirit of the world we are telling you is what gives life, eternal life, making you a new Christian, verse 7. But if the ministration of death, written and engraving in stones, Was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Now, he was talking about, he was referring back to the days of Moses when Moses went to the Mount Sinai and before God, when he was coming down, his face was glowing light that the Hebrew Israelites couldn't stand before him because it was like radiation coming from his face. He said, that is the glory that was, that was shining through the law. He brought the book of law to them and that was some glory. His light was radiating in life and he has been in the presence of God. And he said, that is for the glory that finally faded away from the face of Moses. He said that what he brought to them, the tablet of stones, that was law, ten commandments commandment that he brought to them was not for life, it's death. Anyone that does not keep this thing is going to be killed. That's almost like a ministration of death. That's what he's using to describe it it is a ministration of death which the law brought to them. He said, but it was still glorious because it was God that said, if you don't obey these laws, that's what's going to happen. Said, how, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So that's what he's trying to compare that. What Christ brought is life. What Moses brought was ministration of death. But Christ brought life because it's changing life from inside. And we're going to continue this in the next broadcast. God bless you.